This is the Playful Humans Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and my guest this week is a mentalist. His name is Keith Kong. He's right there. You can find him at kongmentalist.com. We're going to talk with him about what it's like to play for a living. The show is brought to you by Playful Humans. If you need a little more fun, flow, and fulfillment in your life, join our club where we transform the burned out and the bored quantity seekers in life and empower them to be more energized and engaged with the quality of life. You can find Playful Humans at PlayfulHumans.com. We also have a free quiz to find out how playful you are. Let's do it. Let's get started. Here we go. We start with the joke of the week. The joke of the week is brought to you by quadruple size ketchup packets. I mean, seriously, nobody uses just one of those things. That's not even enough ketchup for a hot dog. I'm looking at you, Heinz, Hunts. Can we get some larger ketchup packets? Keith Kong, what is our joke of the week? Yeah, um, I went to a zoo recently and they only had one dog. It was a shit zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That is a great way to start it. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Tell me a little bit about being a mentalist. How do you play for a living? Uh, that seems like a pretty cool job. Oh, it's the best. I play every single day. And if you think about it, <clears throat> I'm doing a stage show usually where I'm getting inside people's heads and finding out their deepest, darkest secrets, but in a fun, playful way. It's not anything terrible it's usually something that we all laugh about as as an audience as a whole so it's a great great playful job i'm wondering like it's got to be fun but there had to be a moment where you became a professional did you ever have a real job and then decide like okay now i'm all in on this and i want to do it or how did you get started yeah so i had a few real jobs the the boring kind of mundane stuff. I worked in a grocery store. I worked in a restaurant and it was terrible. Like it just <laughs> didn't compare. Even then though, I tried to play, right? As a cashier, it was a speed thing. Who could scan the most groceries the quickest in the restaurant when I was hosting? It was who could clean the tables the fastest and stuff. I always kind of made things into a game to make the job more fun and and also sort of challenge myself to be the best and win the game. Yeah, I find that funny because I did the same thing in restaurants. My first job out of college uh, was working in a restaurant as a server, and I would have a lot of fun with the people at the tables. And I figured like the more they laughed and the more they liked me, the more I would get tipped. And it usually worked out that way. But I would sit down at their tables with them and mess around. Or uh, I got in trouble one time because the guy asked for water and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, we're out. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he didn't get the joke. So he's like, what are you insane? You guys are out of water. That's ridiculous. And I was like, let me see if I can melt some ice for you. And I, I took off and ran <laughs> back. I think I might've had to have somebody else finish that table, but usually it worked out. I, like you said, making it a game and, and playing pe- with people was fun, but I know uh, you a little bit. So I know that you started performing magic and mentalism at 11. So yeah. How did that happen? And then when did you tell me about when you became a full-time professional and started getting paid for it? Yeah, well, I started at 11 and then it was around the age of 14. I started doing 
paid shows and I would go to bars and lounges, places I wasn't even old enough to get into. And they would escort me in and I would do my show and then they would escort me back out. And it was crazy because people would offer to buy me drinks and stuff. And I'd be like, I'm 14. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's awesome. So that all happened and it was a lot of fun. And then I would go to, I would go to school. So I went to college. I have a degree in psychology, criminal profiling and that sort of thing. But in the summers, I would travel. I've been to over 33 countries now, and I've done shows in at least about eight of them, including India, China, Jamaica, Mexico, so all over the world. And I've really been doing this the whole time, but it started full-time after working at the restaurant and thinking, man, I really hate this. And uh, it's not that it was a hostile work environment or anything, but I just knew that I wasn't doing what would really make me happy. And I thought, I'm spending so much time here. If I was to take this time and just dedicate it to my own business and and that sort of thing, then I could be happier. I could make more money. And so after three months of not working a single day, they sort of auto-terminated me. And I was like, this is great. This is the best thing that's ever happened. Wow, that's cool. And I should probably mention to people uh, so that you can be more humble that you are a professional. You were on season seven of Fool Us with Penn and Teller and you fooled Penn and Teller, the famous magicians with your mentalism. So uh, that's pretty incredible. You do this for corporate events all over people's weddings and and private parties. And this is your full-time job. This is what you, you do for a living to pay the bills now, right? Yeah, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Actually, also have some great YouTube and, and TikTok videos, but uh, did you have something to show us? Yeah, definitely. All that stuff that, you, that uh, you've just mentioned, you can find at Kong Mentalist as the handle on Instagram, TikTok, all of that. But I wanted to show you something right now. You may have noticed there's uh, something over here. Yeah. A piece of paper clipped uh, off to the left of me. And I want you to think of a game. So obviously, this is all about play. And, and feel free to name any game that comes to mind. I don't want you to think that I'm packing ideas into your head, man. Do you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> just any game that comes to mind, but make it a, a fun game, a game that you like to play. It could be Monopoly, it could be Tetris, it could be anything across the board. Uh, go ahead and just name that game. Uh, well, I was actually going to go with Monopoly. Monopoly. And are you, you happy with that? Would you like to change your mind? Um, no, I'm good with it. You don't feel that you were influenced at all or, or I didn't say anything that would make you think to choose Monopoly, do you? No, you said Monopoly, but it was after I had already thought of Monopoly. So I'm good. Yeah. So you feel like it was a fair choice then? Yes. Okay. Once again, you have this paper here that's been clipped the entire time. And I want you to see this because before the podcast started, I wrote one word on this paper and that word is monopoly. Nailed it. Nicely yeah. done, Keith. I appreciate you doing that for us and, and giving a, a little bit of a magic to our first episode here. Uh, yeah. I like that. And I'm really glad that I stuck with monopoly. Uh, so that's great. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So tell me about um, doing this this job because I want to get into the the fun part of it. I know sometimes I've been a, a performer as well and and I think 
when I've done like thousands of shows, sometimes it can feel like a job and some of them are a real struggle and we just want to survive and get through them. And other times they're, they're super fun. There's magical moments like that. Everything works. When is it the most fun for you? It's the most fun for me when other people are getting something positive out of it. So when I told that Shih Tzu joke at the beginning and it got that laugh from you, like that's a great moment for me. I love to to make other people smile, whether it's with the mystery that's happening in the show or the jokes that are peppered in. Um, I'm, I love dad jokes. They're so corny, but I think that when you deliver them right, it still works. So for me, I always get pleasure out of giving pleasure to the audience or, I mean, and the audience might just be a, another one other person that I'm talking with at the time. And when are you kind of, it might be the same question, but when do you feel most in the the flow? Do you feel the most like your yourself when you're on stage or is there something else that you do for fun that is more like you? Or is it a persona that you're, you're putting on when you go on stage? No, I love, uh, I love being on stage. I think that's when I'm most on actually my girlfriend, she calls it, when she sees me in a social setting at a party or something like that, and I'm around people and I start telling a story, she says, I just turned on because it just turns on and I start performing and, and these actions and reciting everything that happened. I love it. I, I'm definitely leaning towards extrovert. I get my energy from being around other people and making them smile and, and having those fun interactions. And you are definitely a professional that work at it too, though. And you put a lot of time in practicing, studying and reading. So I want to ask you about that. But I'm wondering, is it, um, do you ever feel guilty that this is your your job and that you should work harder at it? Or are you working so hard that that doesn't really fit in there? No, I don't feel guilty. This is the hard <laughs> route. This is, so what's interesting when you look at a job like serving or like working in a grocery store or any other job where you're working for someone else, it starts out really easy. You just do this task. And then as time goes on, it gets harder. You age, it's harder and harder to do these physical tasks with entrepreneurship. And this, that's not what this podcast is about. But for me as an entrepreneur, it was very hard starting. And I find that the more you build it, the easier it gets. So it's, it's been really hard <laughs> getting to the point you talked about fool us, everything that it took to get to that point and all of the disappointments that led up to that, that positive moment. Um, I don't feel guilty at all. Actually it can be tough, but when it comes to playing it, I think it's about having fun and just being content, even in those tough times. And I, I think some people have a, a tough time dropping those inhibitions and the, those worries. So I know you do this sort of for a living is balancing that tightrope tight rope of will this work or will it won't? And I think that's the beauty of, of play is, is that we don't know how it's going to turn out. But a lot of people struggle with that, either the imposter syndrome, they don't know if they could really deserve to be on television in front of, of Penn and Teller, or they don't know if what they're doing this play like they they worry about that feeling how do you balance that that tension of this might not work or or do you just love that and that's your favorite part of it it's it's such a tough question because i get that too that so, sort of self doubt or head trash is what we sometimes right. call it and we can go so deep on this right because if you think about it 
we base our decisions and everything like that off of our past experiences. And we use that to shape our identities. I'm not good enough because I messed up at this time, or I am good enough because I, I did this and that and the other thing. And we don't, we don't always realize that every day you have the chance to decide what it's going to be. Everything else is just kind of a social construct that we were choosing to, to put those limits on ourselves. So I think that when you are confident, like I belong here, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be at this moment, whether it's a good place or a bad place and you can find content with content with that, then um, I think it just makes everything more. Okay. And I know I have my favorite stories from being on stage, but was there a time that you bombed or anything that was the, the moment where you realized that now you're free? Like for me, when I had my lowest point in in show business, and I've told the story a ton of times, but uh, not on this podcast yet, but I got fired live on stage in front of thousands of people by Billy Idol. After that happened, I felt bulletproof. I was like, oh, well, I can go in and I can tell any joke now. I can do whatever I want. Was there a moment for you that you realized like, well, it's not going to get worse than that or anything that where you actually felt like you got over the imposter syndrome? couple moments like that. Sometimes as performers, we know our best work. And when we go out and we do a show, and it's not up to par with what we know our capabilities are, you want to beat yourself up. But then you find people coming up after the show, man, that was such a great show. That was really amazing. And it's like, uh, yeah. And I learned to kind of get over that because these people have never seen it before. And so it's interesting that even if it's not your best work, to these people, it could be the best thing because quality is subjective. That's, yeah. that's, that was a huge learning curve. The other thing, it wasn't really a crash and burn. It was a, this is not good at all that I was able to turn around. And that was mm. a time last year or about two years ago where I showed up to a show and the airlines had lost my luggage. And it's a long story. They said they would drive into the venue and stuff. And about five minutes before the show started, I get a text telling me that they're not going to be able to get there for another two hours or something. And I was eerily calm about it. And I just went to work and I started telling the coordinator, the event coordinator, do you have this? Do you have duct tape? I need this, that, whatever else. Five minutes to go and 200 people standing outside the theater. And we let them all in and I did the show and it went so well the coordinator was like, I don't think anyone could have told that your stuff didn't arrive. And they ended up booking me back the next year. I went back, I did the full show, but knowing that I could get my way out of that and and do well. Yeah. It was, it was so eye opening, especially since that was one of my higher priced shows at the time and it delivered. Yeah. that That's huge. And I I think, you know, for those people that don't know, if you're a mentalist or a magician, having your props is a big part of the show. That's like, you know, being a DJ and not having turntables or music to play <laughs> and show up there. So uh, that's awesome. But it does build confidence when you see it go bad and you realize that you can rescue it too. That's another huge turning point in the the confidence that you go, oh, I can do this. I can do this for any size crowd. I can do this for any audience under pressure and it's going to be okay because I can save it even if things go wrong. I think that's a huge point in anybody's career that plays for a living. Right? Definitely. What about your high point, though? Was there 
a favorite moment? Was it the when you fooled uh, Penn and Teller or something else where you had this and you were like, man, that's exactly why I do it. This is as good as it gets. For There's me. moments like that across the spectrum. So fool us obviously was a huge moment and you can see the moment you can watch the footage. It's on my uh, YouTube channel and you'll see just the expressions on my face. I was so happy and pumping my fist as I'm walking off the stage because I know all that it took to get there. And it looks so simple and magic or mentalism, these sort of deception arts, they're interesting because when you look at a dancer or a juggler or any other entertainer, a DJ, even you spend your whole life learning this skill that you can go out and show people. And when it comes to magic or mentalism, it's the thing that you spend your whole life working on things that ideally no one else will ever see, right? Because these moves, the methods, they need to be invisible to create the magic. So it's, it's so, it looks so simple on the surface, but it's crazy how much work went into it. The other idea that comes to mind is I once did a, an effect for a guy on a beach in Granada or uh, Grenada. And he, I, I read his mind, stranger on the beach, started a conversation. What do you do for work? And I did this routine for him and he was so impressed and blown away and it really connected with him. He ended up giving me a necklace that was made out of coral that he had dove for himself and, and designed. And it was really cool. I still have it. And it's just sort of like a token of how I made that guy feel that day. Oh, that's really cool. I like that story. And that reminds me of two more questions I wanted to ask you here. One was, um, you mentioned just doing this on the beach. Is there ever a time where you think playing is not appropriate? Not really. I, I'm the guy that would crack a joke at a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that we laugh to get over sadness. You know, we, right. I'm kind of of the mindset, like, laugh at everything. Why not? It's not that serious. We can joke. It's just a joke. It's not really a reflection of how I feel about, about a serious topic. But I think that we joke sometimes to get over tragedy and, and we play just to make things exciting and to, to have fun while we're all here. Totally agree with that. I, I think one of the times I laughed hardest to, as a, a kid was, was at a, a funeral um, for one of my uh, my friend's parents and, and stuff where we all just got to really like get out of that and laugh and just relax. And you're like, Oh, it's nice to like feel normal again when you're um, in one of those situations. But my other question there, when you're talking about the guy on the beaches, do you have any tips for anybody who's looking to play more or have more kind of spontaneous fun? Maybe they like pranks, magic or, or mentalism, any tips for somebody that would want to, to do more of this either for amateur or, or professional? Yeah, I think it starts with it starts with smiling. Uh, I think that when you're smiling, people wonder what's what's this guy smiling about, and they want to <laughs> just kind of figure that out. You become sort of a mystery. But not only that, people that don't have fun rarely smile, and people that smile usually are the fun ones, the ones that are happy and having fun. So just by starting with a smile, you kind of open that door. The other thing is sort of prepare yourself because when you go into any social setting and you're prepared, it's better. Look at things like the Ford method for never running out of of things to say and having these conversations or. 
What's that? Uh, there's something called the Ford method, and it's just a, a way to to always have a conversational talking point when you don't have things to say normally or look into bar bets or games and puzzles, things oh, that you yeah. can just pull out and, or even dad jokes, look up some dad jokes and share the dad jokes. I love that. I think if you always have like one good, um, easy magic trick with a quarter or a dad joke, or, um, you know, like you said, uh, any type of, of bar bet thing, that's a riddle, something like that. Those always, uh, help. Those are, are great things. Last question for you. And then uh, we'll start wrapping things up, but could you ever imagine yourself being more joyful doing something else? Or is there anything on your bucket list? If you had a uh, alternative career or something, what, what would it be? More joyful? Probably not. Uh, but there's definitely alternative careers that I would, I wouldn't trade careers, but I would like to to experience these other things like hostage negotiation or, um, I mean, a psychology professor. And maybe one day when I don't want to travel as much, that's an option that I'm looking at. But these sorts of things, they always tend to have something to do with psychology and persuasion, influence, or that kind of thing. And I really, I really feel like I'm going to branch out at some point into these into these other areas. That is awesome. Okay. Now this is, I I feel like it's a play podcast. We need to play a game. So if you're up for it, if you play and win, we'll post this podcast on our wall of weird uh, winners at playfulhumans.com in the clubhouse. Uh, And the wheel of weird is just random games. I spin the wheel, whatever it lands on, we'll play the game. It might be trivia. It might be puzzle joke or interesting questions. Uh, You can walk away and we'll just give your podcast the normal promotion or you can play and we'll uh, see if you make it on the the wall of weird in the the wall of fame at at playfulhumans.com. Do you want to play or pass? Well, we'll definitely play. All right, here we go. Spin the wheel. And we get awkward questions, awkward questions. All right, four quick questions for you, Keith. Uh, you can also pass on any of these, but if you answer these, we'll we'll promote your podcast and put you up there as the first person to pass the wheel of weird. Uh, first question, what is the weirdest gift you have ever received? <laughs> okay. Um, I All right, so this happened a few years ago, and it was on Christmas Day. So I'm celebrate, uh, celebrating <laughs> Christmas <laughs> like the uh, hypocritical agnostic in me. <laughs> and um, I'm sitting there, we're having uh, Christmas morning and we're unwrapping all the presents. And so the whole family is there. And I get this gift from my cousin and I open it up and uh, I look at it for a moment and I think, is this, is this what I think it is? Because grandma's sitting right here, like everybody in the, <laughs> in the family is sitting there. I don't know if uh, if I'm allowed to say this on the podcast, but have you ever heard of... <laughs> okay, well, I'll describe it to you. There's this sort of adult toy geared for men that sort of resembles a flashlight. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah. And I open this. This is not something that I asked for. <laughs> this is not something... <laughs> This is not something that I expected, but here it is in my hands on Christmas Day in front of a whole family. What is it? it? 
<laughs> that is great. Somebody gave you a nice surprise. They said, Keith Kong mentalist, you should have seen this coming. All right. Uh, if you could choose to have a child who was ugly, but very smart or very good looking, but kind of stupid, which one would you choose? Ugly, ugly, but smart, because if they're smart enough, they can find ways to enhance their looks. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I've always been a big fan of of skill coming from your knowledge. So if if you're smart enough, you can find ways to enhance your looks and make yourself more. Or make it a non-issue. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, the only other thing I was thinking though, is if you're dumb, you don't really know that you're dumb. So (laughs) if you're smart, you know that you're ugly. Uh, but the other way around, you know, might be, uh, blissfully ignorant. Yeah. And I've never been a fan of the ignorance is bliss kind of mentality. I think it's always better to know. Yeah, that's great. Number three, what is the most disgusting thing you would ever eat just for the bragging rights? I feel like I've seen magicians and uh, do this a lot too. eat. Uh, well, David Blaine swallowed the frog and regurgitated it and stuff. Have you ever done anything like that or would you? I would not, not really with the bugs or the animals, that sort of thing. And for bragging rights, that's whatever. I'm not huge on that, but I think I would like to try eating glass one day before I die. Hopefully not immediately before dying, but <laughs> I've studied how to do it safely. I just haven't actually done it. And there is a way not recommended if you're watching, but uh, there is a way to safely eat and swallow glass. And I think I'd like to try it at some point just for myself, just to say I've done it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the, the same thing and a good answer. I would definitely pass on that one. Would you get an implant that allowed you to communicate mind to mind with people? Uh, I think I might've stacked the deck here, but drawing random questions here for your awkward questions. Would you get an implant that would allow you to communicate mind to mind with people? Well, why would I need that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds great. That's sort of like what I do on stage, but to be able to do that, at any given moment all the time. Yeah. I lose my voice sometimes once a year. So this will save me. Save. <laughs> there you go. If you could do it with a whole bunch of people at the same time, you're like, I'm just going to do my show, but not talk today. Here you <laughs> There's an old joke like that. Um, it's something like, if you believe in psychics, raise your hand. If you believe in telekinesis, yeah. moving things with your mind. If you believe in telekinesis, raise my hand. <laughs> I like that one too. All right, Keith, thanks for being on the show again. That's Keith Kong, a mentalist. You can find him at kongmentalist.com. And uh, anything else that you would like to ask uh, of the audience or, or mention that we missed? I would just say I love the awkward questions. And when it comes to how you adapt to these situations, sometimes I will force an awkward scenario. I love talking about religion, politics, sex, everything that they say we're not supposed to talk about. I think they lead to the best and most interesting conversation. So I'm more than happy to play this game. And I think that's a tactic that you should go out and try maybe creating an awkward scenario intentionally to see how unawkward you can make it. Yeah, I I love that. And I think it is part of play. Part of play is can we, you know, stretch our comfort zones and then come back safely? Can we, can we see if this will work and maybe it doesn't and then try it again? Those are all, all great takeaways. Uh, again, Keith, I appreciate you being on the show. Find him at kongmentalist.com. Definitely follow him on YouTube. You can subscribe to this podcast on YouTube. Click the subscribe button and uh, like, comment there. Also on iTunes, Spotify, and you can give us a thumbs up 
or leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Suggestions for future guests uh, that play for a living, anything that you have to share about play, certainly do that. It's needed right now, especially during the pandemic. And don't forget, you can take the online quiz, share it with your friends at playfulhumans.com slash quiz. We'll see you next time. I'm Mike. Go play. Oh, I got to need a lighter. <laughs>